Rennie? Tell me again, how long did you estimate that skull had been there? Something like five million years. Five million years. Oh, Lord Grant. But this skull is five million years old. Happy birthday to you. Quatermass, O-B-E. Here, here, Julian. Oh, here, over here, mate, here. Come in, Get your trousers on, hurry, Julian. <laughs> Look at this. Oh, dear. Saints preserve us. Goompod and a merry yuletide to you all. Uh, last week, with uh, our special guest, the mighty Mike Fenton Stevens, we covered Tales of Men's Shirts, which was the A side of the 1960 LP, The Best of the Goon Shows, number two. And this time, we're looking at the B side, The Scarlet Capsule, with another very special guest, Toby Haydoke. Welcome. Uh, hello, thanks for having me, and thanks for pronouncing my name correctly. Well, yeah, I think the first time I ever saw it written down was probably about 10 years ago when I saw, um, I think it was on iTunes, the uh, Moth Saint My Doctor Who scarf. Oh, yeah. And I and I just assumed that it was Hadoki or something like that. <laughs> yeah, that's that's a common one. Yeah. Where, where does it derive from? Uh, well, it's a, it's a made up word. And the Hadoki one is, I know the exact expression on somebody's face that means I'm slightly surprised you're not Japanese. But um, what it was, was, <laughs> and everyone's always spelt it and pronounced it wrong. And, it, and it's pronounced not as it's spelt. So it's sort of understandable. Um, but it does seem to cause people particular trouble. And my uncle researched our family tree relatively recently and discovered that in the mid 1800s, I think, uh, a Mr. Haddock. Married yeah. the the hyacinth bouquet of uh, whichever part of I, I, I'm of Irish Irish Southern Irish heritage, the hyacinth bouquet of, of Cork or wherever it was, and uh, suddenly the name miraculously transformed because she obviously didn't want uh, a fishy aura about uh, nomenclature, <laughs> and uh, and created this word that has caused havoc with people's. Uh, pronunciation and spelling ever since so i i don't think she did as much of a favor yeah it was originally it's it was originally haddock it's a it's a bastardization of haddock well that is an amazing coincidence actually because because later on in our conversation there, there's something that ties in with that we'll come to that um look um toby cards on the table here i i i kind of i think i invited you here on somewhat false pretenses uh, oh, really? uh yeah because i was i was i was using the lure of a Goon Show episode with a Nigel Neal connection to kind of wind you in. Yeah. Um, but, you know, I'm just going to whip off my Roger Delgado mask and reveal that I'm not particularly a huge sci-fi fan. 
Um, yeah, that's okay. You know, um, I dabble, I dabble, but I needn't have bothered because I found out that you like the goons, and obviously, you know, you've even written a play about Spike. Yes, but I'm slightly tentative about this uh, this whole venture because I, I, you know, I talk about Quatermass and Doctor Who on podcasts and things, and I'm happy happy to do so and happy to be a guest, and all that stuff is in in my head. Whereas the the goons and Spike were very much part of the sort of aural landscape of my childhood. I mean, I see a lot of my childhood through popular culture. I I seem to love escaping into those worlds, and I was always fascinated by the people. But just in the sense that my brother had them on. Um, or, 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 and he used to do the falling in the water stuff and talk about mm. jackals or whatever. Mm. Um, so, so I'm, I'm, I'm the youngest of four. So when your older brother does a thing, it, it has a kind of, uh, it invests it with a certain, you know, importance. You say, oh, that's the sort of thing my older brother likes. Or, um, so, so whilst I, you know, I know of it, and yes, I've written this play on Spike, and I did a deep dive into Spike while I was doing the play, which I'm sure we'll talk about. Mm. Uh, 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 talking about it with, with, with knowledge and insight. Uh, is it's not something I'm massive. I suspect your listeners will be going. It's like when I listen to somebody talking about Doctor Who and they go, "Wasn't was was Patrick Trout the second or the third? And I go, "Oh come on!" Uh, so so I might I might suddenly find, you know the, the the goon the goon the proper goon aficionados will be going, "Oh this guy doesn't know what the hell he's talking about." That was in 1958, not 1957 or whatever. <laughs> well, tell you what I can do after we've recorded, I can send you a list of things that you should have said, and then I can yes, <laughs> I can re-record and edit those into it. <laughs> <laughs> you can sound great. <laughs> um, right, before we start talking, look, look, appreciate you not you make no claims to be a, a huge goons fan, but well, you... I, I, I mean, a huge. I, I like the work, and I, I and in fact, I re-listened to the Scarlet Capsule uh, this this morning mm. uh, just to propel me into it. And I mean, chortling out loud so many times, and it, and it surprises me whenever. I, I listen to them when they're replayed on the radio or just put one on and as, as, as I've had cause to on occasion um, without then going, and I remember everything about this episode and what it's called, uh, the, the sheer number of out loud laughs that it gives you for something that's as old as it is. Um, I would say I'm a, I'm a, a fan, but a, a passing yes. fan. So uh, I'm a huge admirer without, uh, you know, writing my own stories or collecting pictures or, or yeah, having yeah, the yeah. CDs on my shelf. Yeah. yeah. Fair enough, fair enough. Well, before we go, before we get on to that, let's just talk about you, because I'd like oh. to talk about you and, and, and the, the, your your enthusiasms. This is safe um, ground for me. Yes. Okay. Um, I believe, the little the little bit of research I've done, I believe you, you're, a, you, you're a bit of an expert on Doctor Who. Just a bit. Well, I've never claimed to be such a thing. I did a comedy show about Doctor Who in mm. which as as one of the strands of the humor was to show because I had a I had an inkling some people might be like, "Oh, this guy's just jumping on the bandwagon." Um because you quite often would see talking heads on TV shows, you know, talking about Doctor Who um and you go, "Well, you've clearly never seen it and you don't know what you're talking yes. about." So I might watch this. So so but also it's quite funny the sort of autistic spectrumy side of my brain that 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 c- collects all of that information the fact that you can rattle off that stuff is actually a useful comedic tool and there's a whole bit in one of my shows where i do a uh, the, the sort of synopsis of a story in a childlike way and i never wrote that down i just in my head when i was doing the show uh, i would just start at the beginning and i would rattle through it and get to the end and i didn't need to pause for breath i didn't need to stop because it's all sort of in there and and just the performance nature of that and the build that it did and the fact that they could tell i wasn't sort of really doing a script i was just unleashing it 
was a very useful performance tool, but it also illustrated, oh, this isn't just a guy that likes Doctor Who. This is this is somebody who's mm. immersed in it. Mm. Um, you know, which was which was very handy, uh, handy for the for the show. So um, any expertise is not due to any scholasticism. Just a lonely <laughs> child. Just a lonely child. Where I, you know we did. I, I maybe had the same three or four books about Doctor Who that instead of then reading something better i i i read over and over and over and over again you know yes uh, so it all and and that's when your brain i think is as is, is at its most spongy and uh so things like the name of every single actor that's ever been in a, a classic series episode of doctor who is in my head and i do not have to look it up you know so i was i was doing a, a commentary yesterday and I, and I said oh and that actress was in uh the war machines and I, and i was and i and i know the actress i know all the and i suddenly just couldn't remember the name of the character she played and i was like she's the one who runs the nightclub so so i'm i'm better at the the the, the actors names than the characters names i've always got a i've always got an eye behind the scenes when i'm watching anything ah right well then you're gonna hate me you're going to uh, hate me, Toby. I'm afraid because have you reversed it? I've reversed it. I've I, 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 this is really self-indulgent. Am I being put on the spot? And I'll edit. Okay. I'll edit this out if you want. <laughs> <laughs> but I want to ask you: How many characters in all of the classic series, Doctor Who, yeah. were named Tyler? Oh well, there's Carl Tyler in the Dalek Invasion of Earth, played by Bernard Kay, who was yeah. a very yeah, Good friend of mine actually. Towards the end of his life, I was very fond of Bernard, and in fact, my dog is called Bernard. Um, is he? Uh, is he a Saint Bernard? Uh, no, he's a cockapoo. All right, uh, <laughs> but uh, we just we just wanted a sort of old man's name, and I know a lot. In fact, we've just I've just lost another old actor friend called Bernard Holly. Um, I, 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 I seem to become friends with old actors called Bernard, so I thought, well, I'll call my dog Bernard because <laughs> there's something comforting about the name. Yeah, yeah. Uh, Oh, so there's Rose Tyler played by uh, Billy Piper. Oh, yeah. There's Jackie Tyler played by Camille Kujuri. There's Pete Tyler uh, played by um, Sean Dingwall. Uh, oh, yes, there's Miss, there's Martha Tyler and Jack Tyler in Image of the Fendal played by Daphne Hurd and Jeffrey Hinsliff. <laughs> uh, uh, are there any more Tylers? Uh, right, I'm gonna, I'm gonna, it... I'm gonna say three words. Yeah. The three doctors. Oh yes, uh, Doctor Tyler, played by Rex Robinson, another, <laughs> uh, another actor I know, and I'm, and in fact, I was just uh, yesterday uh, composing an email to his wife Patricia Pryor, who plays Mrs. Ollis, also in the Three Doctors, <laughs> uh, 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 and her, her. Husband in that Mr. Ollis is played by Laurie Webb, who's another actor that uh, wow. is still going strong at 96. Wow. Uh, well, look, uh, uh, well, is that all the Tylers? That'll do. That'll do. That'll, that'll do me. <laughs> oh, good. It's like every, every <laughs> other, it seems like every other character in the history of Doctor Who was called Tyler. <laughs> well, because because they they made the Dalek invasion of Earth into a into a movie, and the Tyler character got renamed Wyler. I don't know why. If they yeah. thought that had more mm. international, played by Andrew Keir, who uh, actually played Quatermass in one of the movies. There we ah, go. Ah, yes. Which you can I find see. patterns wherever you like. Absolutely. You're talking about older actors, and I know that one of your um, sort of little side careers is you write obituaries for for the Guardian. Yeah. Uh, I, yeah. Yeah, another thing I sort of felt because sometimes people say, "Oh, and you're an obituarist," and I go, "Well, no, I'm not really. I'm I'm just somebody who started doing them, and now they ask me to." And but I don't consider it my job. I consider it a sort of uh, a, a, maybe a paid hobby. But I I also, you know, I've I've, I've seen bad ones, 
so i i sort of feel it's my duty to tr try and yes try and get ones that could be done by somebody that would be perhaps less fastidious absolutely uh, 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 yeah, that 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 started about twenty years ago when I just um, uh, the the guy who did he I think he probably did some stuff with the 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 goons um, Bernard Wilkie, the special effects uh, founder of the BBC Visual Effects Department. I know he and Jack Kine blew up all sorts of things, and <laughs> and they loved. I know they loved working with Michael Bentine oh, right. uh, yes. on, on on It's a Square World, and I'm sure they did stuff on the, on the goons as well because they were the only for, for a while the BBC Visual Effects Department was two men, and it was Jack Kine who was an artist. Uh, who had a, a, a you know a, a, a sympathy with engineering and Bernard Wilkie, who was a trained engineer, mm. who 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 wasn't a bad artist, and they and the two of them were, were very simpatico and they they were great. And I interviewed both of them at, at length many many years ago, and 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 so when Bernard died and he'd written a book on visual, TV visual effects, I uh, nothing appeared in the Guardian. I just rang them up because I thought well he should get one. And I said, are you going to run one for Bernard Wilkie? And they go, we don't know who he is. So I sort of made the case for him. And they said, oh, yes, he definitely uh, should have one. I went, oh, good. And they said, so um, when can you have it? And I went, oh, no, I wasn't <laughs> auditioning. I, I was just I was just trying to push for the, because I thought it would be nice for the family and because he'd helped me out when I was a youngster. I thought mm. it would be nice that he got remembered. So I so I did his and then then gradually I'd occasionally ring up if there was a Doctor Who person or, or, or you know, if, if I saw a gap. And and then the, and then they sort of started coming to me, and now that we don't have to phone people and we have email, it's easy. So and it's it's a nice little sideline in it, but it's it's very stressful because it's it take you have to do it in about twenty four hours. Yes. Uh, and 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 the Guardian style guide need, means you need things like father's name and occupation and where the person went to school, and that's not necessarily stuff that's online. Mm. Uh, mm. So so sometimes you have to ring the family, but actually people are generally happy because they want the paper to do a good job but it's it's a breakneck thing and you you know i write two thousand words and then have to sort of edit it down to about 800 and it's uh, uh and it's a very highly charged 24 hours you know because it's an important thing to do for someone yeah yeah, yeah. Uh, and look I, I know that your career is going from strength to strength is it uh, well i'm gonna, I'm gonna come to that <laughs> I but uh, i don't know <laughs> you know i'm just i, I don't know that i've got a career just a series of different accidents <laughs> that, that, that 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 somehow seem to keep me going and if they and if they don't i'll do a podcast so i'm never i'm never idle you know well as I'm, what i'm saying is that we'll know that things have you know got really bad for you if you're, you're ever caught outside an old actor's home with a crossbow yeah 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 with a cosh yeah <laughs> Yeah, or if or if I'm in a pub with an actor and you hear me saying, "So, what what village were you born in, and what was your what was your dad's what was your dad's job and your mother's maiden name?" You know that I've got my eye on them. <laughs> uh, so yeah, but I'll say about your career, you I, look. I stopped watching Coronation Street when they killed off Brian Tilsley, but I believe that you're um, on the cobbles now. Is that right? It, uh, I'm, I'm one of the few people I think to have benefited from the pandemic because my my partner's in the show um and it has been for about 11 years uh, and is a terrific actress uh, but who is also a wheelchair user um and also has various health related issues that meant she had to be really shut down during mm. the pandemic so we were we were we didn't you know we didn't even go out between the two lockdowns we were we were very much in lo in lockdown and quarantine and you know um but they but they 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 want her on the street and she's an asset and so they very impressively said well um what if we you know f they talked about various options and 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 said well what if we sent you a load of camera equipment and and you set it up and and you know do stuff you know make your own house you know get a get a flat 
you know, wall or a little bit of a corner that looks like it could be in in the street and um and so she started doing zoom calls and things like that but then they introduced a character of her her neighbor one of the writers had seen me in a play and, and knows me anyway you know you know mm. seen me round and about over the years and said well look up a partner's next you know why don't we write a character for him so then this writer wrote a beautiful character this next door neighbor that comes and sort of helps her who's him who you know she's physically disabled and he's he's sort of not socially robust so they became this sort of funny sort of odd couple okay. who were only only brought together by lockdown otherwise they'd have been neighbors who sort of passed on the stairs or whatever uh and this this lovely little story where he started doing her shopping and and helping her out um but none of her friends at work knew so they'd just sort of zoom call her and he'd be in the background loitering and they'd go who's that guy um so first of all it was a little bit of a mystery and then it turned out he was quite funny and and then then they asked they and they said to me well do you have to stay in or can you come in you know can you come in and do stuff in the street and because i don't have to lock down as mm. harshly as shes does so i said well no i could come in because they were doing you know all the safety protocols and mm-hmm. meters apart and masks and all that so then they gave me my own story with with uh, with one of the other characters sally uh, and i went in i've done d- did a bit there and now i'm yeah i'm 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 penciled in for uh, the next couple of months but i don't i've got no idea they don't they, they don't ring you up and say we're thinking of doing this story you know they just go up uh, are you do are you free and I go well I'm free on these days and not on those days you take it from there so um uh right okay well that's good I mean look I was I was being a bit flippant about not watching it since 1988 or whatever it was but uh I'm just thinking you, you mentioned that the character that you play is is not socially robust which is a very hmm. very nice way of putting it actually <laughs> uh and I think there's been a long history in the show of of having a, a character like that and i think norris was one wasn't he and um yes, um, yes. And, and my wife informs me that um uh, roy has just departed and roy is a is a cory legend and one of the things uh, t- that i had to bear in mind was you know don't be a they've got they've already got a roy don't be a don't be a cover version of roy because he's i mean he's 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 one of the best characters they've ever had and he's a brilliant brilliant actor yeah, but he's uh, he's gone now. He's gone now. So you've got you're you're in you're in there. Oh, just, just, <laughs> <laughs> well, and and sadly, not Norris has just uh, has just died as well. So, uh, uh, m- well, maybe 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 that's maybe that's my time to flow. <laughs> There's another excellent character though called um, called Brian, played by Peter Gunn, who's a sort of slightly sort of pedantic sort of fishwifey school teacher type. So, um, yeah, they're they're very good at those sort of slightly pedantic uh, men uh, yeah but um does he uh, um does, they... does he have a theme tune whenever he walks into a scene <laughs> oh very good good yeah just a little bass line going underneath <laughs> yeah uh, uh but but yeah those those characters are good and the, and the, the audience seemed to respond quite well to them so um and people seem to be very nice about about fergus who is a a bit of a sort of he's a bit of a uh you know sort of a pedantic but but well-meaning but um but you know i don't think he's been to many discos right um, yes uh, yeah. you know yeah he's uh he's a traffic warden as well which we've we since discovered after after uh you know i'd started playing him they, they came back and said we're we've got this tra- traffic warden character coming up we're gonna we're gonna make that fergus and you suddenly go oh that's brilliant that makes all sorts of sense because he'll be he'll be well on uh the ins and outs of all the parking regulations so that fitted very nicely with what i was already doing you know he's he's not unlike a few doctor who fans i know he's a he's a sort of marriage of of a, a few computer geeks and a few doctor who fans that i know People shouldn't be taking up residence parking spaces, but there are ways and means of getting your point across. I mean, nasty notes left under your wipers are one thing. Can we order our curry now? But dog poo? 
smeared across your windscreen. Uh, on second thoughts. Dog poo. All over a woman's car in Crimea Street. Oh, do you know, I told you that feelings were running high, but don't get me wrong, I can't condone dog poo. Well, say it was dog poo. Could have been human. Oh, for crying out loud. Oh. I, I should go. Did you did you spend any time watching old episodes of George and Mildred to sort of because uh, George was a, a do you know what I, I I didn't but now that you say it that, that he does share some of his DNA with mm. that uh, with that great uh, it's a wonderful performance from Brian Murphy yeah he's he's not unlike actually I can't watch it now because I don't want to find myself suddenly being influenced. <laughs> And you've written this, you, or you wrote this this play, Going Going Goon, yes, um, which is is essentially Sp- Spike trying to gain access to heaven, yeah, um, coming up against St Peter. And I was getting and listening to, I was getting some probably wrongly, I was getting some sort of shades of a matter of life and death plot. Line. I was I was I was trying to work out the inspiration, uh, and and I've I've actually found a few emails um uh just just because uh, I, I didn't want to uh, sell you a dud so uh, in 2014 blimey mm. it took a while mm. uh, pauline harris who's a producer at the bbc said i'm putting together an offer for radio three uh, the sunday drama slot for four times 20 minutes surreal comedy dramas inspired by spike milligan and his work in celebration of the centenary of his birth to be recorded in front of an audience so she'd always had it as a series of plays by different people and in front of a live audience the dramas have to feel contemporary and made for now not harking back to an old style and they have to be dramas as opposed to sketches or light ent mm-hmm. uh, i may well use the verse from Milligan in between the dramas or even a short goon so special from the 50s called The Starlings. And I wrote back and said, I'm drawn to the idea of his psychological makeup, how his well-documented mental illness provoked his creativity. One of the many pies my fingers are in is that I sit on a medical advisory panel about the relationship between psoriasis and mental health, so my understanding of the subject is not a glib one. How obliquely or otherwise... Uh, can Milligan be reflected? Can he be referred to or even feature in the piece? Or is it simply using his work and personality as an inspiration? So, yeah, I wasn't sure because it, it certainly wasn't taken for read that it was actually going to be Spike um, yeah. in the piece. Mm. In fact, it was a character called Terry in my original oh, yeah. draft. Mm. And I think uh, and, I, and, and I think it's tortuous. You go through various sort of pirouettes to try and and, and certainly the getting from scene to scene which I'm really happy about in the original mm. because we just do the Spike Milligan thing of going, oh, and now we're on a boat. Whereas, oh, God, I tried to work out a system, you know, and Pauline just went, well, it's all right because it's a flight of fancy. You can just find a big map and jump into it. And I was like, oh, that's such a yes, good idea. That's, yes. Because I, I hate the nuts and bolts. It's my hardest. When I'm writing comedy, the jokes are fine, actually. The funny words are fine. The It's it's the practical application of mm. them in a in a structure and and that's the bit that is the killer for me so i have to write i have to write the shape of it first before i could do the bit that i like which is the which is the jokes and the characters and the funnies yeah uh, it's a you know it's a bit like building put, putting the steel foundations of a building before you can do the bricks and the nicely shaped windows and all that sort of and that steel is really difficultly wrought in Halo Towers. <laughs> uh, so I'd, I'd said that about uh, the mental... And then she said... She, 
she said, I don't, I'm not sure what to call it. And I thought, I told you I was ill was, I told you I was ill was really obvious because that was the one that everybody knew. Mm. Uh, she went, oh yeah, that's a good idea. And then a, then a few months later she said, I'm thinking of a work, working title, I told you I was ill. I, was like, I told you, oh, I said that. Um, <laughs> I did send one about heaven um, because I'd read, a, he did a poem about some, a, there's a short poem about St. Peter that's got St. Peter in it. Mm. I read a load of his poems. Yeah. But I know that my original idea, which I, I haven't found the, the, the writing for, I, I, I did go up, I did have a think about the Milliganimals as well, which we'd had yes. lying around yes. as books. And I like the idea of making nonsense things out of actual things. Uh, and, and the fact that nothing is purely nonsense because we have to have an anchor to it. Uh, uh, and so how do you create something that's that's detached enough from realism to be nonsense and totally made up and yet have enough that's recognizable like arms and legs and a head or whatever so that it's you know it's not not just a complete abstraction uh, and i thought about that in terms of how does that make up for our personalities you know our personalities are made up of lots of disparate sort of mm. things mm. and 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 maybe there are different ones and i and i thought of trying to sort of create emotion uh, and personality traits using the milliganimal technique, if you like, of 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 that 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 st- structure of writing about, which sounds quite convoluted and hard now, which is presumably why I didn't do it. But I I had the idea of of being in a zoo and going around and seeing these different exhibits, and it turns out they make up right. the, the whole personality yeah. of Spike Milligan or yeah. something like that. Yeah. But I didn't have a I didn't have a story, but that was <clears throat> that was sort of where I wanted to go. And then, I, yeah, there's the St Peter there's a St Peter poem that uh, Spike, Spike Milligan wrote. I was just reading through all his poems and I, and I suddenly got, well, it's, St. P- it's, it's when you're with St. Peter that you have to, you sort of sum up your life, don't you? So that would actually be quite a good way of somebody looking back at their life and, and the different things they were to different people and are, and are they all the same person? And that, that allows for a sort of the, the fractured mentality thing of... of of, of spite this you know the schizophrenia not necessarily in the literal sense but in the sense that we're all made up of different personality traits and mm. and was he one thing to his friends and one thing to his family because you know some some great comedians can be well loved by audiences and tyrants at home and all of that sort of thing yes so i think that's that's where it came from and now then mr milligan your food not hungry not even a pudding we've got lovely lashings of custard hang on i didn't die in hospital this is nonsense. Since when did you have an aversion to nonsense? Well, that's fair. That's fair. It's almost as if you are fictionalising these events in order to find the truth about me without constraining yourself within the boundaries of historical accuracy. Quite possibly. If I wasn't made up, I'd have an opinion on that. Now, eat some food. Over my dead Over my dead body. body. my dead body. Over my dead body. The Milligan found himself in an ethereal mist with heavenly music. Angelic choirs. Raspberries. <laughs> and, and I had St Peter doing a sort of it's a wonderful life kind of thing. I don't think I was... Oh, hang on. Here we are. This I found it. I like the idea of different personalities. A short drama about a man taking medication to battle the demons, but finding that... Ah, that's it. But finding that dulling the demons dulls his passion and creativity. Because I'd, I'd, I'd read about Spike going into the... Um, sanatorium the mental hospital yeah um but actually producing loads of work and that that you know that and, and there's a deal with the devil element there which yes. i think yeah, yeah, yeah. tied in with St, the st peter idea i was thinking of of how far do you go 
well and i've i've been very seriously ill with with psoriasis and 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 when you're lying in a hospital as as dennis potter proves um you know you 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 can you can produce you know work of painful beauty and 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 when my psoriasis abated really hugely for the first time part of me did think oh am i actually losing an important part of my makeup as much as i despise it you know because yeah, yeah, yeah. it, it, it mm. affects everything including the way that people treat you and actually some sympathy from people is sometimes quite welcome if you're a particular sort of personality so but but yeah that idea that spike had a choice to sort of go well is this me uh, and therefore i have to take the demons in order to you know fly with the angels when i'm writing and and being funny um so yeah i was drawn to the d- d- depression angle and so then i said um the framing device how about a guy trying to get into heaven and St. Peter trying to work out which personality he is being expected to let in? So it's a, so I do say it's a sort of wonderful life with the Milligan treatment that looks at how we define ourselves. Mm. Milligan had many personalities that battled for supremacy, but which one was the real him? And I really struggled. I had sweats and I, I didn't know where I was going with it. And we'd have two hour long conversations where I, I could tell that and I was sending in stuff I really wasn't sure about. And I went to uh, Westminster Library. I went to London early for a gig and just shut myself in and went through all the Spike Milligan autobiographies and biographies and everything. And I, and I, and I kept going back to the bit where his childhood and he sort of talked about a, a bit of him dying when he left India yes, as a kid. Yeah. Mm. When he's on and that I when thought, he's on that boat and he first sees well, first sees London, I suppose, and it's yeah. and it's grim and it's it's drizzly and it's grey. Yeah, and 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 I thought, well, hang on, what if what if that's what happened? He died then, and so the child that he was remained alive for the rest of his life in a way, because that was that was the essence of Spike that survived that that trip and that 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 tearing away for, that you know what Spike was, and that's why he sort of his sense of humour was you know was quite childlike and. Uh, and, and all the things that go with childhood from you know a sense of wonder to also a sense of you, you know sudden spitefulness and all of that and and it was it was that I died when I left India uh, suddenly when I did the rewrite with that in my head it suddenly all worked and it, and it gave us the boat setting uh, and of course he gets rid of St Peter who turns out to be the devil doesn't he I think uh, by yeah. by pushing him into the sea and then of course I went oh and I know what he's going to say now <laughs> but that wasn't planned at all that was like I need him to get rid of St Peter oh brilliant uh, he's fallen in the water uh, so that was one of those happy accidents Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, and I think there's something quite moving um, about the fact that you know old men that you see were once innocent children and and i i was quite a fragile kid my dad had gone when i was four and i i was always terrified of getting into trouble and i was always near to to, to tears and i and i it makes me so upset now to see sad children and even upset to see happy children because i know that you can turn to tears on a you know in in, in a trice and i and i find that that those sort of extremes moment of uh, those extremes of emotion that are so real when you're a kid, when you are heaving, sobbing, deep tears, that's not artifice. You're not doing it for attention. That is because you feel abject. And the idea that a sort of unformed, innocent child who, who you know, and you see kids looking at the world with such fresh, curious, uncynical eyes, but that that sort of innocent enthusiasm can be turned to deep, deep upset and sadness. I've, I've, I find really upsetting um and so i think that's what drew me to that as well and and, and especially because spike had a childlike quality about him throughout his life as mm. well yeah but my mum died when i was 13 in very 
unexpectedly. It was it was um, sudden. Oh gosh. And um, but the thing is, that I didn't. Okay, I cried the first day, but after that, I didn't really. And I kind of kept it. It was all sort of bottled up. I think I didn't realize that at the time, but I kept it bottled up um, to the point where I was getting my terrible migraines and and whatnot. But it was it was probably about I don't know maybe a year after she died that I discovered the goons by accident. Yeah. And that was a great outlet for me to get a lot of my, you know, I wasn't, I wasn't crying listening to the goons, but I was laughing and I was, it was something that was, it was like, a, it was almost like, um, it was something to take my mind off me. Um, yeah. And, yeah. And, and take me out of myself. Yeah. And I think, and I think, you know, I, I totally identify with that. I mean, that's what, that's what Doctor Who did for me. It was, a, mm. it was a, another world to jump into, to, to distract, to distract one from the fact that one was oneself. <laughs> yes. Um, and I think and I think there's a commonality there in in fans, particularly of, of popular culture, I think, uh, of, of you know, it, it, it's an outlet in a on another world, uh, uh, ironically, a world of uh, often of, d- you know, fictional danger um, that is that is somehow seems safer than than the real one. It's uh, it's yeah, it's very interesting and scares, you know, although with your case, of course, uh, it was madness and s- s- surrealism and 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 fun. But uh, yeah, an escape from normality. Good sort of jumping off point to get round to the, the topic of this show. Um, yeah. The, the Scarlet Capsule. Um, yes. It's really um, getting towards the end of the goons run. Uh, it's from series nine. It's uh, episode fourteen, and it was broadcast second of February nineteen fifty-nine. And it's it's famously it's a parody, it's a pastiche, it's a, a tribute to Quatermass and the Pit, which had literally ended the week before the show went out. Yeah, absolutely um, hot off the press. Yeah, and and um, I'd never seen. I'd seen the film. I actually saw the film of Quatermass in the Pit um, very recently. I think it's on BritBox, and I watched right. that. And I was, I was kind of, I was, I was ambivalent about it. Um, and then last night, and I hadn't seen the TV series. And then last night, um, I asked um, a couple of friends, and we watched old telly and stuff, and you know, natter about it. And I said, "Look, has anyone got access to um, uh, the 1958 Quatermass in the Pit? Because I'd like to watch at least a couple of episodes, just to kind of, you know." get a feel for mm. it and so we watched watched uh, episode one and episode two and i want to i want to watch the rest of it i genuinely do. well the, i mean they're good but they're easily the the most low-key i mean the, the the next four are even better it's a phenomenal piece of television well uh, it, it, I'm, yeah I'm, I'm glad you enjoyed it yeah it's brilliant isn't it it is right right at the beginning the the title comes up something like the half men is that something from Greek mythology or some or mythology in general? What, what's the half men? Um, the reason I asked that was because one of my favorite books when I was a child, it was a, a, a Kiwi author called Morris G. And he wrote a book called The Half Men of O, which was a... Oh, interesting. I've, do you know what? I've never considered that. I mean, Neil was very, very subsumed in ancient folklore and stuff like that. Um and and I th- I've got a feeling that first ep- he his episode titles went through quite a few transformations, but I've got a feeling that that it was always the half men. So maybe it is. I hadn't considered that. I'd taken it just fairly literally of 
you know, the the remains that they find are sort of half man, half Neanderthal. It's like the missing link. Um, that's inspired me to maybe go. I've got loads of Neil's uh, notes and 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 the various magazine articles that he cut out and kept mm-hmm. uh, and underlined bits of uh, some from new scientists, some from you know, some about folklore. So that's inspired me to delve to see if that's not. I do you know hiding in plain sight? I'd sort of not considered the. Uh, the ramifications or indeed the provenance of that title. Oh, um, so cool. I thank you for that without being able to help too much uh, uh-huh. at this stage. That's interesting. And I was I was um, wondering if there was any significance between the two spellings of Hobbs Lane. Oh, absolutely. I mean, I don't want to spoil well, it. Don't spoil you. it then. <laughs> uh, it's, it's all deliberate. What he does so well, Nigel Neal, is it's that synthesis of horror and science fiction so it's a science fiction series and it gets more science fiction in fact you know the, the you know the science fiction element is is deliberately evoking the sort of hokey comic strip idea you know little green men from mars kind of thing but it is so based in our superstition and and the ancient past of this country um or or, or indeed of man of mankind's sort of propensity um to spin, you know, myths out of something. What? Mm. What's the provenance of those? That he has his cake and eats it because you get the excitement of a science fiction adventure, but you get the the fear that I think is very is harder to generate in science fiction because science fiction has lasers and silver panels and hats that aren't scary, whereas horror has cobwebs and darkness and things moving about of their own accord. So he very cleverly synthesizes the best elements of both of the genres. So things like, you know, something that's got an old name and a different spelling, what's that about? He's very good at... but And it's because he was from the Isle, Isle of Man and there was lots of sort of... Um, to use the parlance of time, old wives' tales, which were sort of uh, past the, you know, word of mouth, oral histories of, mm-hmm. you know, goblins and nooks and crannies. And, and they sometimes, because they've been passed on and they, they're they slightly misted by the passage of time, makes them just a little bit ephemeral and a little bit uh, untangible and therefore not so easy to understand and therefore, of course, slightly scarier because they're slightly more abstract. And it's, it's very clever. And you're writing a book at the moment about Quatermass, I believe. I've been writing a book about Quatermass for about thirty years, but I'm actually <laughs> I'm I'm actually doing it uh, sort of properly, and I've and I'm 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 hoping that I I would like to get it out for Nigel Neal's centenary in in April, but um, it's yeah it's quite it's quite full on, and there will be a bit on Quatermass spoofs, of which the Scarlet Capsule was not the first. Bob Monkhouse and Dennis. Goodwin mm. uh, in 1955 did a TV on as part of their TV show. Uh, they did a Quatermass scene and they they asked the Quatermass actors um, who uh, and the cast changed for every series. So uh, for Quatermass two, it was John Robinson as Professor Quatermass and uh, Monica Gray and Hugh Griffith uh, uh-huh. uh, as the as the sort of as, uh, assistants. Well, Monica Gray played his daughter actually, um, and uh, John Robinson wouldn't do it, but Hugh Griffith. Uh, said, "Oh yes, absolutely, we should." Because I, I think, I think largely, if there was a drink at the end of it, he was quite happy. Uh, but, 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 yeah, but so, but that doesn't exist anymore. So, um, who knows? Uh, well, uh, well uh, thankfully, this does. The Scarlet Capsule yeah. does. Uh, now, yeah. I'm, I'm going to guess that you probably heard this on because it was released. Um, there was a, a an LP called "The Best of the Goon Shows Number Two, uh, yeah. released in the end of 1960, so just after the the series had ended pretty much yeah. um and it was the b-side to the episode tales of men's shirts 
Oh yeah. Now, did you hear it on an LP on that LP, or where did you first hear uh, it? I I first heard it. A very nice man, and I remember his name called Phil Shellard. I hope he's well. I met him at a. I was talking at a Doctor Who convention or a group or something. This is years ago. Yeah. I've been talking about writing a Quatermass mass book since 1989. And he said, and, and this was before the days of the internet and stuff. He said, you know, the goons did a spoof. Did they? And I went, oh, no, really? No, I didn't. He bootlegged it onto a cassette for me and just sent me that. So that was the version I had for ages and ages and ages and ages. And well, because then I, then I did get another version and I don't know why. And then all my stuff is in boxes. And so... Uh, this morning I listened to it on YouTube. Right. Uh, I don't. I don't tend to, you know, talk through each episode scene by scene. But I do have a synopsis which I just like to read out, which uh, <laughs> kind of gives you an overview because the show was included in the um, the book More Goon Show scripts from I think 1973, and there was a, a synopsis in that which I'm, I'm going to read. In 1903, the £22 fine that London Transport paid for assisting illegal immigrants caused immediate bankruptcy. Our story, set in the 21st century, tells how a group of rusting archaeologists discovered rotting commuter skulls near Finchley Central. Further digging reveals the mysterious graffiti-ridden scarlet capsule. Could this be the lost kingdom of the Northern Line, or merely an out-of-order telephone box? Leading demon Ned Quartermass is brought in to investigate, and immediately things deteriorate. With his Jewish kilt at half-mast, our expert is baffled by the insignificance of Minnie's Irish stews. Okay? So, uh, so you've, you've listened, re-listened to the show this morning. Now, that's, that's, there's barely a passing nod at the actual show in that, in that synopsis, really, is there? No, um, I know. That was, that was quite baffling, bafflingly left field. Yeah, because, I mean, he did use, Spike used to do synopses for, for sort of mid, mid-period Goon Show episodes. And then I think he'd sort of given up more or less by, by the time this went out. Um, and my friend, Mike Haskins, who's um, appeared on the show, he, he, did a little bit of research and, and he thinks that the synopsis that's in the Goon Show, more Goon Show scripts book was partly written by notes on a, on a, on a original script that Milligan would have written um, and kind of expanded by um, the book's editor, if you like, right. uh, padded out basically. But in any case, so, you know, we can go through the show in a minute, but it, just in terms of the, the basic structure of it, how does Scarlet Capsule compare to, the plot of well, Quatermass I was going to say that the, the, I, th- I think the Scarlet Capsule is perhaps closer to Quatermass of the Pit than that synopsis is to the Scarlet Capsule. <laughs> um, I mean, it's it's remarkable how I mean, not to certainly the the the, the, the foundations of of the show they don't really they they don't really follow the plot towards the bitter end. But the first the first three episodes are are pretty much you know they're intact. It is found by a load of workmen you know the skull is found mm-hmm. by a load of workmen even even some of the lines are the same i mean they, they, they i think the joke that I, I laughed at the most when i first heard it all those years ago was uh this skull is five million years old which is a big reveal in uh mm. in uh in in the crazy mass thing because you go how can a how can a, a caveman skull be older than man itself you know or whatever Oh, and the radiation, isn't it? And the rocket is. How can this? How can this rocket be five million years old? But it's it's all tied in with five mm. million years. Mm. And uh, and and of course, they go, this skull is five million years old. Happy birthday to you! <laughs> you know, it's absolutely brilliant. And I think there was another line that's exactly the same. Is it one about um, 
while you, while you're talking to the gutter press or something because reporters uh, are quite important uh, in it to the way that the the, 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 the story is is uh, is covered uh, you know is unleashed to the public uh, and they get to know about it and and reporters uh, appear in quite a lot of Nigel Neal's work because that was his his background um but but and, and them going to Westminster Library or not because Harry Seacombe says I've actually got it about my person which is another <laughs> brilliant joke um uh, and when, don't, don't the press come in and the, and the, and the old commissioner on the gate says oh, the gentleman the press is here I tried to hold them back but they burst through by putting money in me end <laughs> which is a, a terrific joke but, you know they followed the plot line pretty well, well I imagine uh, I, was... I imagine that Spike must have been an avid viewer and watched every episode I have a letter from Spike Milligan to Nigel Neal, but it's undated, so we don't know what it's about. And I think it might be about his production of 1984, but but they've they've clearly it's it's a pickup from from something else. It's a pickup from either a conversation or a letter that they had because you, you you're not quite sure what it is they're referring to. But uh, he does sign it off by going anyway. I have to go now. I'm on fire. Love Spice. <laughs> <laughs> That's the bit I remember, but I can't I can't remember the first paragraph. But I ha- but yeah, but but um, I know Nigel Neal was a was a great admirer of. Uh, of the goons and of and of Spike, so and he could be quite prickly himself, but I suspect he was he, he was and 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 about the treatment of Quatermass by by people perhaps not being you know taking it seriously, but I suspect because it was the goons, he was he was probably okay, and because it's actually you know it's there's nothing derogatory in it. They're just using they're just using the plotline of something very famous and of the moment to um to give it the, the goons treatment. But there's there's no joke sort of going and this is a load of old rubbish, no, you know. No. Well the thing yeah. is that, that you just reminded me of course because um because Neil wrote the tally play for nineteen eighty four or screenplay. He did. Um, yeah nineteen fifty four's version, yeah. And of course the goons parodied that yeah. in nineteen eighty five. This is the story of the year 1985! <laughs> yeah, yeah. So it was the same team, and it was Rudolf Cartier who who produced and directed all the Quatermass serials, also did uh, 1984. So 1984 is almost like the fourth Quatermass production in a way. There's one called The Creature as well, which is a play about the abominable snowmen. The episode starts with, uh, it's interesting as well for, for Goons fans, because there's a pre-recorded announcement by the BBC announcer, Andrew Timothy, who, who of course had been the Goons' original announcer up until 54, um, when Wallace Greenslade took over and Andrew Timothy just, wanted out of it basically right. <laughs> uh, and i believe that they they had planned to have john uh, john snag but he was unavailable so they they tapped up andrew timothy but he um he makes this uh this sort of he, he sets up the scene yeah so many good jokes in this speech <laughs> this is the terror-stricken service of the bbc today at approximately this afternoon a discovery was made on the site of the Notting Hill Gate site of the government's new dig up the roads plan for congesting traffic scheme. <laughs> Workmen, in the absence of a strike, settled for work as an alternative. It's another joke. That could work today. Yes. And then he goes on to talk about the, the, the character that sort of stumbles upon the skull. And and this is why this is what going back to what we the outset of our conversation, because he talks about this character called Morris Onions. <laughs> but I just I just want to very quickly, very quickly digress because you were talking about the fact that your name is by rights you should be known as Toby Haddock, 
really. Yeah. Um, old colleague of mine years and years ago worked in, a, in an office and a colleague had to phone someone, uh, some customer, and the customer's name written down was Terry Onions. I know where this is going. <laughs> Do you? <laughs> yeah, yeah, I think so. He phoned the, the, the customer. And now if it had been me, I'd have just said, hello, is that Terry? Left it at that. Yeah. But no, no, he decided to phone it and said, hello, is that Terry Onions? And apparently the, the there was a, um angry click of the tongue and the and the, the customer said it's pronounced O'Neons. Oh, oh yeah, I was going to say O'Neons. Yeah, I've, <laughs> I'm sure I've heard of an O'Neon somewhere. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Wonderful. Anyway, um, but, but of course, but if if you're going to do that, and that's perfectly fine if you want to do that, you can't then get annoyed with people who don't know no. because because they haven't they haven't had the memos. You know what I mean? <laughs> so you can't take offence. <laughs> oh dear. Uh, right. Yeah. So that, so they've come across this skull, as in as in the the uh, the, the original story. You've got Minnie and Henry turning up from the Ministry of Certain Things. Uh, and this that's is a, that's a great name as well. Yeah, of certain things. Yeah. <laughs> now, I I would have thought that those two characters, Minnie and Henry, they should have been the old couple that they evacuated, who were living next to the so-called haunted oh, house. Yeah. I would yeah, have thought Hilda Barry is. Yeah. Yeah. Um, and then you've got this is the thing that interests me as well because um, the introduction of Ned Quatermass, and they've gone with Quatermass, and in the script, it was Quatermass. Right. So I'm guessing that they must have just, between the script being written and them rehearsing it and, and performing it, they've just decided, oh, sod it, we'll just call them quite a mess. I think it's, and they, I think somebody does pronounce it quite a mess at one point. It's like there's a little vestige of that mm. hanging around. But but a lot of the newspapers at the time use in headlines, um, quite a mess causes quite a mess. And I, I suspect they probably, because there's something funny and I don't know why it's funny, but when he just goes, uh, quite a mess, OBE, uh, that's just funny. Um, for so, and, it, and it seems to me less try hard than calling him quite a mess, mm. which just seems a little bit, and I've got a feeling, I've got a feeling somebody had wanted to do a spoof called Professor Quite a Mess internally at the BBC and, and they'd wanted to do quite a big uh, I've got again I've got it I've got a, some, some paperwork somewhere and they said we want to do this this thing you know running concurrently uh, the adventures of Professor quite a mess and not unreasonably goes oh, come on we're going to be on at the same time trying to make people sort of terrified and engaged in this series that's got lots of fantastical elements so we try and ground it in re- reality and then you know on another part of the bbc you're there taking the mickey out of it please don't mm. and they they didn't now i don't know if that was at the time of pitt or the time of one of the others i can't remember but so the the professor quite a mess thing i think was a uh, was a conclusion a lot of people have, had reached and maybe the goons just thought well actually we don't need to be like any yeah. everybody else because we're getting the jokes we're getting the jokes by from more than mere wordplay yeah, the fact that it's Ned Quatermass is good enough. Yeah, that, I mean, that's funnier. Quate, and Quatermass OBE, for some reason, is funnier than mm. calling him Professor Quatermass. <laughs> and yes, Ned Ned Quatermass is very funny. Yeah. I like the fact, isn't one of the builders called Julian as well? Yes, which I think is really who's an funny. Irish navvy. <laughs> <laughs> Uh, the, <laughs> yeah that just see that's that that's that's just funnier than a than a inverted commas funny name mm. you know that's the thing sometimes names simple yeah. workaday names like tom or ned yeah, or yeah. Ned, ned is funny yeah. ned is funny mm. Mm. so they, they've found this unexploded what they think is an unexploded bomb as in the as in the story 
Um, So the army comes in, there's there's a rifleman, I think it's Rifleman Green of the third collapsing Fusiliers. And the audience, I know there's a bit of sort of sound effect of an audience cheering, but I think that the, the audience in the yeah, actual theatre were cheering as well. Or clapping. Yeah, it gets a massive laugh of recognition. I was I was baffled. Because he, he, he's of the he's part of the third collapsing Fusiliers. Uh, supposedly there was a guardsman who collapsed on live television around this oh, time. I see. Um, yeah. But I, I, I was looking for the actual, you can usually these days, you can find most things on the internet yeah Um, but i couldn't find anything to sort of substantiate that so that you know i'm not quite sure if that's the the case but it did seem to be a a disproportionate round of applause and laughter yeah oh that's my afternoon sort of because i'm i've i I pay for a lot of you know newspaper online newspaper resources and things like that so i I might have a sniff around for a collapsing (laughs) fusilier but yeah that sounds like probably there was some sort of uh changing of the guard or or some sort of um formal uh, occasion and 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 some poor chap got overheated and yeah. uh, and fainted, and that would of course, yeah, caused a lot of yeah, yeah. chitter chatter. Yeah, and then they 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 dig away the earth and they reveal the 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 large thing, <laughs> uh, yeah. twenty foot long, red, as large as an engine boiler, with an entrance on the side and a sealed compartment at the front, <laughs> and this and this word Minardor. Yeah. <laughs> uh, now in the, the the me watching the first two episodes of the tv series last night um right at the end of episode two they, they discovered this sort of um, drawing or is it like a pen- it's a pentacle yeah, yeah. It's, it's, it's a yeah it's 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 one of the cabalistic signs used in black magic uh because uh that becomes very important so yes there is there are uh, you know the the goons go for the, the the that that joke and it's and it's and it's writing it's indecipherable mm. it's a word they can't quite understand yes yeah and they inside the sealed compartment there's the complete skeletons of three surge suits. <laughs> yes. <laughs> uh, now, see, I don't want to tell you what's in the sealed compartment in uh, in in the TV series because uh, I'll spoil it for you. Uh, but there are th- there are three of them, mm. um, and three is three is very important. But um, because of the tripod um, of the Isle of Man, uh, you, you know, the, the, the three legged thing is very much embedded in uh, in, in Neil's psyche. Uh, because of his upbringing in the Isle of Man, and so there are three things in the sealed compartment, and also it's the 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 triumvirate of characters, Quatermass, Breen, and Roney. There's the 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 three the three things is quite important, and so the the, the fact that the goons also have three is uh, means that they're paying attention. Yes, absolutely. And is is there a is there a nosy sort of reporter that turns up? Yes, yeah, James Fuller Love, who's the only. Uh, character apart from Quatermass who's in who's in more than one of the uh, adventures because the films were being made at the same time he decided not to have characters the same characters from series to series apart from Quatermass himself who changed actor every series instead um but Fuller Love had been the best character really in the first series the Quatermass experiment in 53 and there is a reporter in Quatermass 2 but it's a different reporter and uh, and he's only in one episode but he's a really good character played by Roger Delgado but then yeah. f- mm. they they bring they bring Fuller Love back uh for Quatermass and the Pit okay cuz cuz uh, you've got in turning up in this episode you've got uh, Ace Blue Bottle or Scoop Blue Bottle uh, yeah. who is, I guess, what, cup reporter for the brown paper? Um, yeah. <laughs> Spoke of this recurring love for, for brown paper. I think I think brown paper has connotations, hasn't it? It kind of suggests, you know, you receive publications wrapped in brown paper. It suggests something a little bit... Yeah, uh, yeah. 
a little bit underhand, a little bit clandestine, yeah. or a little bit, a little <laughs> bit even saucy. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Scoop. Transacos gives a brown paper daily exclusive statement. What? 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 Can I quote you on that, please? No, my what? 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 A private. Now give us an exclusive statement, then, Crow. I like chips in brown gravy. Flash oh, you! Hello? Give me the sitting desk. Hello? Sitting at desk here? Listen, Ed, scoop bottle here. Clear the front page. What for, my lad? Professor Echoes denies paternity case. <laughs> I like chips in brown gravy, tell the judge. You've got um, a reference to poltergeists. Yeah. Quatermass says, poltergeists throw stuff about, then uh, Eccles is almost like an ad lib. He says, they must be in a bad way. Um, yes. <laughs> but I, I picked up, I think, I'm sure that, because obviously they were talking about um, so-called ghosts in yeah. Quatermass and the Pit. I'm sure I picked up on the word poltergeist one or two times. Oh, yeah, it, and that becomes quite important and things things do start throwing themselves about. It's it's one of the it's one of the big um uh, sort of cataclysms that, that that happens as as the as the story progresses uh, and it, and it opens up the idea of, you know, is is telekinesis um uh you know, second sight and things like that. It, it, there's a postulation that, that, that the reason there are rumours of such things existing is because they're old lost arts in a way that are also tied in with the black magic and things like that. So the hauntings and the poltergeists, he, he always tries to have a rational explanation. There's no fantasy in Neil's stuff. It also it always has to has a, have a scientific reverberation mm. about it. Mm. So poltergeists are seen to be um, perhaps remnants of telekinetic ability um, so the stuff being thrown around isn't a spooky ghost. It's 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 mental pirouettes and gymnastics um, occurring over over objects, you know, uh -huh. uh, in in signs of great uh, moments of great stress or whatever. So so yeah, poltergeists uh, is is again another theme running through it. You know, yeah, they're not just throwing in any old gags there. They're uh, they're uh, they're they're taking it from the source material uh, very judiciously. Yes, and and then I love this the the, the way that you've got the character of grit pipe thin coming in and, and <laughs> saying uh, that basically that he has the solution to the red capsule uh, because he's watched the last installment on television, which is just <laughs> as meta. meta as you get. Yes. Yeah. <laughs> but, but again, you know, the, but, but it's because of the, the stuff that the, the sort of spoofy stuff that, um, you know, the really good comedy of that time was doing, uh, you know, the goons is exemplar, you know, grit type thin is, is, is exactly the kind of, you know, he's a sort of synthesis in of what in the serial is done by Colonel Breen and the minister, who are these, you know, the people in charge who are, 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 are totally sort of blind and resistant to anything that might be strange uh, and come up with their own rational solution to what this ancient, you know, uh, thing they've dug up might be. So it's it's almost like there was a goon's character waiting or already formed yep. to uh, to personify those two, a synthesis of those two characters. Sure. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, I must admit, when I first heard this show, which would have been, I remember getting, finding a copy of the LP in some secondhand shop, would have been 89, 90, something like that. And um, I remember not being bowled over by this particular episode at the time, because, oh, because, and I wonder whether that's because 
so much of the source material was completely alien to me. Yeah, because it's such an accurate uh, rendition of of it that, uh, that that's what gives it some of its resonance, maybe. Mm. Yeah, because I've I've it's it's interesting. I I can't really consider it as a as a does it stand on its own as just a funny episode of the goons because of course I'm 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 spotting the familiarities all the, yeah. All the time. Yeah, yeah, um, yeah. My my favorite bit in the whole episode though is is. <laughs> It's just sort of tacked on. I'm guessing there isn't a, a, a comparable scene in Quatermass in the Pit, but you've got Ned Quatermass going around to evacuate the locals, and he 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 uh, he knocks up this um, lady, and and then there's a bit where the, the the script is heavily censored, but we leave the ensuing silence for the listeners to imagine what followed. Yeah, no, there's there's, there's no no hanky panky on Hobbs Lane. Okay, <laughs> but I love the the amount of time, and he's, he times it to perfection. Oh, yeah. Sellers, there's this pause. Well, I, I, I at this point the script was heavily censored, <laughs> but we leave the ensuing silence for the listeners to imagine what followed. <laughs> You filthy swine! <laughs> Back to your own bedroom. <laughs> and then, of course, and look, I know we've raced through this, but we've you know, we've talked about so much today. But um, uh, you've you've got the the sort of the I don't know what would you call it the the denouement of the show was denouement. Yeah. Uh, so Andrew Timothy again, he, he he says that the the giant capsule was exploded. London transport experts have ascertained that it was um, actually a, a tube train that had been shunted into a siding and forgotten. And the mystic word Menador was in fact the word mind the doors. Uh, yeah. Which is a yeah, neat little ending. Well, and and actually uh, prophetic because, uh, and there is a line about, um, you know, one of the things of all the poltergeist outbreaks in Quatermass, they they, re- they go to, when they go to the library and they look through all the old books, you know, the, the, the outbreaks were all when trees were being felled or when there was a tube extension. Mm. So the tube is mentioned, but as a throwaway. But then when Nigel Neal comes to write it as a film 10 years later, uh, instead of it being... Um, uh, you know, a building site to repair bombed out London, which is also, you know, a, a really uh, very current setting for the serial. You know, it's a, the, those things were being seen all over the place. Ten years later, they do do it as a tube extension and, and it's not Hobbs oh, Lane, yeah. it's Hobbs, it's Hobbs End. Uh, so, so mm. in fact, the the uh, goons version actually becomes even more well in fact the joke would have been ruined uh, had they been spoofing the uh, the, uh, the film because the yeah. film is actually set in an underground station yes um but there's also there's the old uh, what's that film with um donald pleasant's uh, oh, De- uh deadline Death is it mm. yeah yeah and it's it's aren't they saying mind the gap or something yes so that's uh that, that's what the drooling cannibals are saying oh, isn't it mind the gap absolutely mind the door so so that's 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 also reminiscent of or well in, in terms of because the goons do is before that's that's also sort of preempting uh preempting that it's a bit sort of a Planet of the Apes moment almost, isn't it? Mm. The, the Minador of Elif. Again, if one wanted to be pompous, it's about sort of going, oh, well, this isn't some, you know, weird alien thing. It's actually something, something of ours. And I, and I quite like that. And it's a, and it's a good joke. Yeah, it's an old, it's a, uh, you know, they've, they've come up with their own plausible explanation of what the, uh, the mysterious object might be. And it's something much more down to earth. But I, I think that works. It works as a punchline. It's nice. Yeah, it is. And, and Spike's obviously built upon the, the, the bones of the story, I guess, up to a point. Yeah. And so it's more structured than many goon shows of this period were. 
it's yeah it's a nice little time capsule i suppose scarlet capsule is a nice little time yes a a scarlet time capsule (laughs) and there's so many good jokes in it that we've sort of Mm. talked about and they all come from these funny fussy little characters but and also the fact that i think when you do this sort of thing today there's 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 not much that's that's a good-natured spoof do you know what I mean? People go for the jugular, and I and I and I I actually don't like the way a lot of my friends and and contemporaries used to watch television when I was growing up as a lover of Doctor and things. You know, people were always quick to sort of go, "Oh, I know how they did that," or "I know how I can pick a hole in that." And you sort of think you're not you're not winning here. We you know it's artificial. You could stand up in the theatre and go, "Well, there's not a wall on this house." <laughs> you know, you 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 it's you choose to invest or not, and it, and 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 picking holes isn't a sign that you've been particularly perceptive or or clever i think you win if you go i will accept what these very hard-working and talented people are doing i will immerse myself yes. in it and that's become hard because as we've become more meta and pop eats itself and all that mm. sort of thing one of the great staples of comedy is the spoof of this successful thing and, 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 and of course when you when a film is successful somebody wants to go oh well i'll take the piss out of it but but what i love about the scarlet capsule is it is a spoof, but it is in no way denigrating the source material. It is no way saying, because now everybody, even when it comes to sort of social media discourse, everybody wants to be the first to say about that thing that everybody loves. Oh, well, I don't get all the fusses about. I think that bit's bit shit. I think that bit's not very good. And and I get so bored of that. And I'm, and I'm not a goody two-shoes. I'm a comedian. I take the mickey all of the time. But I don't like cheap shots at other people's artistic endeavor so maybe i am a bit pompous uh when the alternative is to in to enjoy that and 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 to admire celebrate uh, it what's gone into it and to say and and i think the goons absolutely have their cake and eat it because they 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 hijack something that's been massively successful and it was hugely successful it was so talked about uh and actually it's legacy it's ir- irrelevant to this you, you know it, it's, its resonance can be felt down the years it, it was it's a really impactful and important piece of television but aside from that actually every night every week when it was on the pubs emptied and people went to the end of the street to the one house that had the telly and everybody watched it and everybody talked about it and this is so it's not a cult thing quasimass it was a mainstream it, it was intelligent science fiction that was a mainstream hit in people's houses it was a big production too it's an expensive bbc production it wasn't it was a classy show as well with the with the with the biggest talents at the time working on it uh, and instead of going, oh, we're going to take the mickey out of that, they just go, we're going to do a funny version of that. <laughs> uh, and I and I love that. It. It's so it's that yes, the cynicism about um, what is it about in that in that opening paragraph that we talked about before about uh, you know ministerial waste and 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 roadworks for inertia and all of that mm. sort of thing. So there's 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 nice little subversive satire about about government and politics and and the ship of state and all of that, but actually the joy in it all uh i I think to me makes it so so uncynical and and fresh uh, and and doing all of that stuff but always with a sort of comic zeal and that's what i think is is really is really great about it oh i applaud that absolutely i totally agree and i've got a a a renewed liking for this episode as i say it was one that i wasn't particularly keen on but now i've seen and i have seen as i say i've seen the film the was it 668 yeah. 67 68 667 yeah, um, yeah. The, I, a lot of people love the film i, I the, the series was the first of them i saw and the series is my my first love and i think it is 
the film is good, but I think that I think the series is head and shoulders. So I do hope you watch the rest of it because it's really good. Oh, I, I will. I will indeed. And Toby, thank you for taking time out of your. Um, well, is it a busy schedule? Uh, well, it's sort of. I've always got things to do. I don't. I, I'm self. I've been self-employed for all of my life, so I always give myself something to do, lest nobody come a knocking. Mm. <laughs> uh, I've got. I've got. I've got. You know. I've got things bubbling and things with potential and things looming but i've also got stuff i've started doing a series of podcasts myself and stuff like that so you know it's like if you've if you've got an afternoon you go well why don't i novel off a couple of them uh and, and just keep it going and keep the juices flowing but by the same token i also sometimes quite often now uh, fall asleep on the sofa in in the afternoon because i can't quite manage uh, either a day or a bite to eat without uh, needing to recover from it which is slightly <laughs> alarming well it is because you're my age Oh. oh, it's terrifying. <laughs> yeah. So what have you got coming up in terms of more shows, live shows? Because you do excess malarkey and things like that. Yeah, well, I've been. Yes. I mean, that's the only time I'm going out because we're still still very much uh, locked down because my partner's still very vulnerable. Mm. She's she's actually not 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 uh, uh, fighting fit. Uh, so I'm only going out to do excess malarkey, my comedy club, which has been going for 24 years. Uh, every Tuesday in Manchester. So that's great yeah. for me because that keeps me... I have to do new material every week because um, there's quite a lot of repeat audience. So that, so I'm always oiling the machine. Uh, I'm really pleased that I'm doing uh, Christmas on Radio 4 Extra. I do a show, I do a slot called The Seventh Dimension that's rotating mm. four, four presenters. And that uh, we're, after, we're after the comedy that often has the goon show. And I'm one of the four presenters of that. But I always do around christmas time because many many years ago uh coming up to new year i just did a little roll call of the dead because i'm very soppy of sort of but, but giving a nod to some people who were perhaps under the radar but who everybody would know who they were but wouldn't be on the the end of the year ones that they do on the news because they have to have sports people yeah. and politicians and all sorts of other people yeah. uh and that's gradually turned from from being a couple of mentions to now being actually a sort of slot so i've got my two six minutes on uh New Year's Day and the 2nd of January on my birthday, where I will uh, just be paying tribute to people like, uh, you know, Bob Baker, who wrote a load of the old Doctors and uh, Bernard Holly, the actor, and uh, uh, and, and sort of people that have, have uh, contributed to archive, particularly sci-fi telly, uh, who get a little bit of a, a roll call. So I'm, I'm working on that so that uh, they get a nice little valedictory flourish excellent and i take that's that's something i take quite quite seriously and is and i'm honored to get the chance to do and there's something of an honor to be in people's homes on christmas day i uh you know i i i approve of that sort of connection that we we have through popular culture and media and so being a part of it is is quite flattering and nice well toby thank you so much as i say for, for joining me thanks for asking me and i'm sorry to proper goons people who know all the proper stuff that was going on there i hope that was i, I hope i haven't desecrated your thing by talking about it without as much knowledge as you oh no look i think there's there's probably a, i don't know what the venn diagram would look like but i'm sure there's a big crossover of people that are goons fans and also you know, you know archive telly and, and sci-fi fans and well thank you very much for asking me i appreciate it thanks toby thanks for listening folks uh, next week is our first episode of 2022 and we will be looking at the fantastic film uh, much mocked much derided but i think it is a stone cold classic the magic christian and also we've got lots of great shows scheduled for 2022 so uh please look out for those and also if you haven't already go back and listen to our previous shows uh there's about 30 plus of them now of variable quality uh, but i think i'm getting better at this 
Anyway, thanks again for listening. Take care. Bye. <laughs>